got up in the morning, we were uh, on our way to synagogue. By 7 a.m., you could hear the, the missile fall in Israel. Thump, 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 thump. And uh, you don't get sirens unless the missiles are targeting your specific area. Uh, but for at least an hour before there were missiles aimed at Jerusalem, we could hear the missiles falling in, uh, in, in the coast. And the astonishing thing was uh, that you didn't hear Air Force. Okay, because usually if this missile fire, then the Air Force is scrambled and they, they take out the missile launchers, the, 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 the people who are doing it. As religious Jews, we didn't have uh, the, the television on or our telephones you know, dur during, during a holiday or the Sabbath. We can't, we can't use electronic devices. But we all knew we were in the middle of a war. The only thing we couldn't understand was, was uh, why we could only hear the enemy and we couldn't hear ourselves. Howdy, everyone, and welcome back to Moment of Truth, the podcast of American Moment. My name is Sarab Sharma. I'm the president of American Moment. And this week, it is just me. This is our penultimate episode of the season, and it couldn't be with a better thinker, person, friend. Uh, today, we had on Dr. Yoram Hazoni, who is a chairman of National Conservatism Conference and the Edmund Burke Foundation, uh, our new partner at American Moment on all things national conservatism. Before I get to that, be sure to go to AmericanMoment.org. There you can find everything that we have cooking as an organization, all the backlog of this show. If you've got holiday travel, we can uh, certainly suffuse your time in the car with many hundreds of hours of uh, my dulcet tones. Um, you can find applications for all of our various programs, including AM Fridays, the Fellowship for American Statecraft, and all sorts of other things. If you want to get involved, go to AmericanMoment.org slash join, fill out that form, and one of our team members will reach out to you and we'll talk about how to get you involved in the fight here in Washington. You can donate money to us, lots of money. This is December. I need to raise money at AmericanMoment.org slash donate. Um, Today we had on Dr. Yoram Hazoni, who we've had on before. I highly encourage you to check out the previous episode that we did because it goes back into some of his biographical information and some of what his earlier career was like. But we dived straight in this time on what is going on uh, in Israel. Uh, I, I saw Dr. Hazoni two days after the war began here in Washington, D.C., as we were starting to plan out this partnership between our two organizations. And um, it's uh, been this uh, odd blessing to to be able to talk to someone who's, who's so close to the situation on the ground, his son serving in the armed forces over there, um, uh, would encourage all of you to be praying for them and, and really the whole country of Israel as it fights off these degenerate barbarians um, that seem anti-civilizational in, in their aspirations. But we talked about that, we talked about what's going on uh, with free speech on college campuses. Um, you know, uh, is there any merit to this criticism that, uh, you know, the right is hypocrites because they now don't like Hamas protests on campus, talked about what's going on with these liberal Jewish billionaires and um, how they're responding to all of this, and also the uh, future of our partnership between American Moment and National Conservatism. I thought it was a fantastic episode. Um, be sure to check out all of Dr. Hazoni's work, um, including uh, for the, the real nerds in the audience. Um, I, I recently been getting glowing reviews from friends of mine of his biblical scholarship as well. He has a book on uh, the book of Esther that uh, comes very highly recommended. So check that out. Um, I'm functionally literate, so I don't know anything about that, but uh, we'll go now to our conversation with uh, Dr. Yoram Hazoni. Dr. Hazoni, thank you for coming on the podcast. Good morning. How much did you sleep last night? <laughs> uh, for those who don't know, Dr. Hazoni and I have, have been on the road, um, part of a new collaboration. We'll, we'll talk more about that later. And so it's been a lot of late nights and early mornings. And, and this is one of them. Um, uh, I got plenty of sleep. Uh, you can sleep when you're dead. And that's my general approach when it comes to this stuff. Um, we, uh, we've had you on the podcast before. Um, many of our guests are, are very familiar with your scholarship and your background. And so we're going to dive straight in. Um, you know, you, you came to the States uh, for a visit two days after uh, the war between Israel and Gaza began. Um, tell us what it was like on the ground that day and what has happened since in this sort of stepwise chronological way, because I think so few people hear it from um you know, to use the proverbial term, the horse's mouth, as it were. What what exactly happened on that day? Well, you 
that day was Simchat Torah, which is uh, it, it, it's the 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 last of the the Jewish high holidays, uh, and um, uh, the we we got up in the morning. We were uh, on our way to synagogue, and you could hear it, it, it by seven a.m. You could hear the the missile fall in Israel. Thump, 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 thump. And uh, you don't get sirens unless the missiles are targeting your specific area. Uh, but for at least an hour before there were missiles aimed at Jerusalem, we could hear the missiles falling in uh, in in the coast. And the astonishing thing was uh, that you didn't hear Air Force. Okay, because usually if this missile fire, then the Air Force is scrambled and they they take out the 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 the, the missile ba the the missile launchers the the the, the people who are doing it uh, or at least drive them out of operation and we spent you know the whole day with uh, uh sirens and going to bomb shelters and and in between listen listening to missiles falling and there was no air force um you know so uh, as religious jews we didn't have uh uh, the the television on or our telephones you know dur during during a holiday or the Sabbath we can't we can't use electronic devices but we all knew we were in the middle of a war the only thing we couldn't understand was was uh, why we could only hear the enemy and we couldn't hear ourselves um, so that that was pretty eerie and it it turns out that the whole story from you know from then until today is. Um, you know, is 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 uh, for sure is nightmarish, and uh, uh, you know, I th I think Americans probably are familiar with the the um, uh, the, the nature of the war. We're fighting an enemy that doesn't really have military bases. You know, you tend to think that, you know, there's civilian parts of the, the country and then there's where the military is. But uh, Hamas, uh, which is our, our local Muslim Brotherhood chapter, is, uh, it doesn't really have military bases. Uh, they, they have their ex extraordinarily intricate um, um, military terrorist complex. Uh, built into uh, civilian homes and hospitals and schools and mosques uh, in those buildings and under them. Um, so it's uh, it's terrible for the population, you know, the the the, the Arab population living in uh, in Gaza and Khan Yunus to the south. It it's a nightmare. Um, and for us, it's also a nightmare. You know, it, it nobody nobody wants to be. Uh, uh, conducting a war, no matter how well justified, uh, in in densely populated um, uh, areas, and I I Israel has been trying to get most of the population to move out of the uh, the battle areas, and we've been releasing you know maps that show you in detail where where the fighting is, so that people can move to other parts of Gaza, but. Um, it, it's uh, it's difficult from all sides, and of course we 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 still even after uh, a week of temporary ceasefire in which um, uh, eighty some hostages were released, uh, we still have over a hundred uh, over a hundred hostages who are you know being held. Uh, we don't know if they're alive or not because the Red Cross isn't allowed to visit them. Um, the, some of the people, some of the hostages who were released, re report that the hostages are being tortured, which is, of course, you know, part of the the attempt to demoralize uh, Israelis. Um, it's not really working. I mean, it 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 it's really pretty remarkable to um, to take the temperature of uh, just about any part of Israeli society right now. The the degree of unity is. Um, uh, overwhelming. Uh, no people, you know, are are. It's it, this is one of those classical situations where, um, you know, the the nation is threatened and everybody understands the threat. You know, there's no argument about what the threat is. Uh, the war in Gaza is one aspect of the war, but there's a a war taking place uh, on the Lebanese border. Uh, there, there's uh, uh, missile fire now coming from Syria, from Yemen. 
Um, and uh, with the, the, this degree of threat, you know, and of course looming the possibility of uh, of major war with uh, Hezbollah and Iran, uh, with this degree of threat, Israel's uh, mobilized more than half a million uh, soldiers. That means that you know pretty much everybody who's my age has children who are in the fighting. Uh, we we have one son in Gaza. We have another son uh, who is uh, in a unit that specializes on the Golan Heights. He w- he was just called, and is s- serving there because of the threat from Syria, a- and of course many you know we've we've nephews and nieces and cousins. Um, so it's uh, um, it, it it's it's a it's a a difficult and painful and complicated time, but but it would be wrong to miss um, that uh, that our forces, like all of these young young men and 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 uh, women, are uh, extremely they're in very good spirits. Um, you know, you don't think that you're you can be in good spirit going to war, but uh, the feeling of unity, the feeling of brotherhood, um, the feeling that your cause is just, that that everyone understands, at least in Israel, everyone understands what the, what the cause is and and that it's just, and um, and that's reflected also in the fact that uh, that we have a, a unity government running the war. So uh, it. It is a Netanyahu-led government, and he's the prime minister, and he's our senior statesman. Uh, but he has um, ministers uh, in his war cabinet who are from, you know, from the former opposition, le- left of center ministers. Uh, General Eisenkot is uh, one one of them. His uh, son was killed in battle in Gaza yesterday, uh, and that's it. It's a small country uh, facing uh, overwhelming challenges, but. You know, uh, tonight is uh, the second night of Hanukkah, and uh, all of us are raised on uh, the, the the stories of uh, the the Jews being able to uh, miraculously pull off a uh, a victory where it looked like it wasn't so likely. So, tell me a little bit about how the domestic mood in Israel compares with the domestic mood during previous conflicts or. You know, major attacks from Hamas. I mean, is this qualitatively different than those previous incidences? Yeah, it's 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 very different mm-hmm. because the um, uh, p- people may not remember uh, Israel pulled out of Gaza in two thousand and five, um, and when I say pulled out, I mean that the last Israeli soldier was removed from from the Gaza Strip. And uh, the last Jewish civilian was removed from the Gaza Strip. Uh, all all of the the homes of Jews who had made their lives in uh, in Gaza were uh, were bulldozed. And uh, I, I I think the majority of Israelis uh, um, expected that we would not be in a, in in Gaza again. I mean I I I don't think it's because you know people were were um, uh, were necessarily so naive as to believe that Gaza was going to turn into the Singapore of the Mediterranean, <laughs> you know, le- like the the Americans and the Europeans were promising. Uh, but you know, the it, we'd we'd all been hearing. I mean, I've always been a a, a a skeptic about Palestinian state, but we'd all been hearing for uh, for a generation that if you only give the Palestinians a state, you know, then. Then the the conflict will somehow be solved. But uh, we we pulled out in two thousand and five. In two thousand and six, uh, there were elections in in Gaza, and Hamas, the Muslim Brotherhood, uh, won the elections. You know, people talk about it as a totalitarian kind of organization, and that's certainly uh, a, a correct way to view it. But Hamas won the elections in Gaza fair and square, and uh, the the uh, Americans who had been you know, pressing to have these elections. You know, elections are sort of. There are Americans who think elections are a panacea and they solve all problems, and uh, uh, the the um, the Americans who were stunned that Hamas would would win the elections, 
you know, spent spent months working to you know to try to orchestrate some kind of maneuver to prevent the elections from uh, for the, the 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 will of the voters of Gaza from from being implemented, and that failed. And by two thousand and seven, Hamas had you know massacred the the PLO fighters who uh, the Americans wanted to be in charge, and so we've had you know sixteen years of. Uh, uh, 18 years of an independent Palestinian state in Gaza and 16 years of uh, rule by Hamas, by the Muslim Brotherhood in, in Gaza. Uh, billions of dollars in, in uh, Western and Arab world aid uh, have been funneled there. Um, w we have some idea of, of where the money went because three of Hamas's le leaders live in Qatar and are reported to, among them, have $12 billion in assets in the bank. Um, and uh, there's you know, at least a billion dollars of, uh, of tunnels under Gaza, which are you know, uh, one, of, one of the principal instruments that they, they use in the warfare against us. Um, so what's changed? Well, what's changed is that during those those 18 years of independent Palestinian state in Gaza, um, there was more or less nonstop violence. Um, everybody's seen the images of uh, of uh, missiles being uh, fired at, fired at Israel, and uh, uh, that went on for 16 years. That there there were many Israeli uh, incursions, uh, larger or smaller. Um, there were two full-scale wars, limited wars, in you know, in 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 the sense that uh, Israel's goal was not to uh, to destroy Hamas, uh, but just to to punish it and try to restrain it from you know for firing at our population centers. Um, we there were extreme voices, you know. When I say extreme, I mean I'm not saying that they were unreasonable, but just there were there were fringe voices. Throughout this this period, um, everybody in Israel remembers that there, you know, that, that there were politicians who um, blamed Netanyahu and uh, the the government for not going in and dismantling Hamas. And you know, whatever the merits of the argument, the truth is that. Uh, Netanyahu wasn't in a position to go in and destroy Hamas because he didn't have the support of the population. Uh, most Israelis did not want to be in Gaza. People, I mean, I, 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 anybody who served in in you know in in the the IDF in the Israel Defense Forces in the 1980s and 1990s uh, remembers what it was like to uh, to soldier in Gaza, and uh, it's it's not pleasant. You don't, you, you don't feel you don't feel like doing it. You know, you, you you don't feel like getting in a jeep and patrolling up and down and enforcing a curfew, you know, on people who hate you, and you don't you don't you don't want to do it. You you want to do other things with your life. Um, but uh, did you do that when you were younger? I I, I did. I most most of my I, I did eight eighteen years of uh, uh, reserve uh, duty. Most of my service was uh, was in the West Bank, but the, there there were a few days where where I was actually stationed in 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 Gaza, guarding guarding the post office or something. <laughs> and um, uh, yeah, no, you 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 don't want to do it. Nobody in Israel, almost no one in Israel, wanted to reach the conclusion that Israel had to reoccupy Gaza. Um, but at this point. Um, there's there's wall to wall agreement about it, and um, um, you know we'll 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 see how the whole thing unfolds. I, I I think our biggest challenge is not military. Our biggest challenge is uh, uh, is the Biden administration, which you know on the one hand everybody in Israel is uh, is grateful for the um, you know the 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 plane plane loads of um, munitions uh, resupplying. Uh, the Israeli military effort. You know, on on the other hand, every every morning, you know, uh, uh, a military resupply air, supply aircraft leaves the U.S. for Israel, and every afternoon, somebody walks out of the the White House or the State Department, and you know, makes some you know completely un uh, un un um, 
uh, make some kind of a statement uh, that there's going to be a Palestinian state in Gaza <clears throat> or that the, the, the PLO, which is claiming credit for the massacres of October 7th and 8th uh, should you know should be brought back into Gaza to Gaza or uh, that Israel should use smaller bombs or that Israel should fight without civilian casualties and I understand that some of this is you know it's it's the internal politics of the Democratic Party I mean that they, they have a problem they they have uh, half of their voters are uh, sympathetic to Hamas and 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 to the the Muslim Brotherhood side of the war so uh they're somewhat constrained as well uh but even even taking that into account I mean the Americans are facing a brick wall in in terms of uh Israeli consensus uh the the latest poll says that there's eight percent that was eight percent of the Israeli public that supports the Biden administration's plan of bringing the PLO into Gaza and giving them an independent state. So um, that's just not going to go anywhere. And so, frankly, our our, our greatest challenge is is balancing between um, military uh, aims, which are are clear and necessary, and on which you know just about the entire Israeli public agrees, and um, uh, the, the 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 problem that. Biden is facing re-election, and uh, and uh, he, he's lobbying Israel for all all sorts of strange things. So let's talk about other political constituencies in the United States. I mean, it seems like everyone on the right of center in the United States got very frothy and excited to you know call for this, that, or the other in terms of response to um, Hamas's attack. What have you made of the the response from the American right uh, as the war has begun? Well, look, it's been the American right has been interesting. I mean, um, on the one hand, uh, Americans, uh, you know, American nationalists, American conservatives, are um, most of them have, have have an instinctive and and very deep connection to Israel, um, which is you know based on the biblical inheritance uh, and, uh, and 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 a long time long time. You know, a longtime alliance between the United States and Israel. Um, but on the other hand, you know, as, as you know, um, the whole idea of foreign alliances, foreign entanglements uh, for the American right uh, has has become uh, problematic and and justifiably so. Um, you know, since the Berlin Wall, the United States is, uh, has has often acted as though it has unlim um, unlimited power and can simply, you know, reshape the globe uh, into a new world order, you know, where, where there's going to be, as, as uh, George H.W. Bush memorably, memorably put it, uh, replacing the, the law of the jungle with uh, the rule of law, you know, so the whole globe <laughs> is going to be the rule of law and uh, America is going to be the world's policeman. And the results of that, as as we know, have been uh, catastrophic. You know, not 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 just in Iraq and Afghanistan, but you know, in 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 Libya and in Egypt and in Syria, and uh, you know, so the 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 idea that um, Washington uh, is capable of um, exerting force. Uh, around the globe, certainly, you know, in, in the Middle East and in Muslim countries, um, that that idea that, that Americans can do this intelligently and successfully, I think it's been disproved over and over and over again. And so, you know, th those people who are, you know, watching the war in Ukraine and watching as America, which, you know, really the White ha House in terms of foreign policy, its main job is should be you know, focusing on China. America has one strategic rival, that's China. And uh, to watch over the last two years the way that the United States has, you know, misdirected its attention to, um, you know, to uh, a, a war that's a very important war for Europeans, but less important for Americans. And, uh, you know, the, 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 the fact that 
the Biden administration, you know, sits there every day, you know, micro planning uh, what's going to happen on the battlefield in Ukraine. That's scary to conservatives, and uh, and and you know, and now the, the the Gaza war comes along, and and by the way, it's not. I mean, this is not a Democrat Republican thing. The it, it's true that the Biden White House sits there every day trying to figure out, you know, what wh- where Israel should deploy its troops and 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 how they should use them and 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 what techniques they should use and what they shouldn't use and they're on the phone talking with Israel and every time that they pick up the phone to Israel they're not thinking about China. Um and this is true of Republicans as well. You know, Mike Mike Pence when he was running for president, he said something like, you know, if I were president, I'd be in the Situation Room right now, working out on scenarios for rescuing rescuing the hostages. And I, you know, Mike Pence is a good guy. I know he he loves Israel, but you know, he 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 is completely completely not able to understand the job of the president of the United States. the The Trump doctrine um, was a theory of how the United States could. Um, Reduce its uh, involvement in you know all sorts of wars around the globe, and the the the, the main concept was that uh, America has to have the kind of allies that are not you know like a protectorate, you know, the, or a dependency, not the kinds of allies that are you know the, they're allies, meaning that the United States has a responsibility to you know to send its soldiers to protect them and to fund their wars. That's not an ally. Uh, the 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 Trump administration's view of what an ally is 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 that allies are supposed to be able to uh, put in enough. Um, both, you know, financially, um, not one or two percent, but five or six percent of GDP, turning themselves into a a, a serious uh, fighting force capable of projecting power, and on the other hand, a personal personal investment in in making your country powerful, which 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 means that your your, you know, at least your sons, maybe your daughters also, serve in uh, in the armed forces, and um, there are countries in. In Europe, I mean, I think most notably uh, uh, Poland, that um, wants to be that kind of an ally, the kind of ally that could defend itself, and you know where the univer- the the, the uh, where the Americans would not have to send their own forces because the poles would be strong enough. Um, Poland, the UK, India, Australia, Japan. You know, there there are a number of countries. That could be that kind of an ally, where they're so strong, where they they build themselves up to be so strong, that they're actually capable of contrib- contributing something to American interests, rather than you know just being a, a, a burden. Israelis see themselves in in that way, and I you know I I know Israel may not be perfect in every aspect of it, but uh, the Israelis have absolutely no interest in American troops. Um, I mean that's that's Israeli military doctrine going back seventy five years. The the reason the state of Israel exists is so that Jews can defend. We Jews can defend ourselves. So the, there is no parallel between Ukraine and Israel as far as I'm concerned because the the first thing that that the Ukrainians want is to join NATO, which means that America needs to send its its army to the front, and Israel doesn't want U.S. Uh, U.S. forces, um, and um, so. For the American right, um, I, I I think that there's a little bit of um, think thinking through that needs to be needs to be done. Um, Israel is not Ukraine, and Israel, you know, the, the war in Gaza is is, is not the uh, war in Afghanistan or or in Iraq. And uh, what what Israel uh, needs from the United States is much more like uh, the kind of help that Reagan gave. Uh, Margaret Thatcher during the Falklands War. You know, the Falklands War, 1983. Nobody believed that that Britain had the military capacity to you know, project power over 8,000 miles uh, to the Falklands. And of course, America could have simply, you know, conquered the Falklands and handed them to the British. But Reagan saw farther, and he saw that you know what he really wanted out of this. You know, was was not the Falklands. What he wanted out of this was that Margaret Thatcher would emerge as a a powerful leader, and that Britain would reemerge as a powerful country, um, ca- capable of of contrib- contributing something as an actual ally. 
and and so notice not sending U.S. troops, but you know helping make making sure that that munitions are, are resupplied, that giving diplomatic cover at the United Nations and elsewhere. Those are real contributions that Reagan made, but it was up to the the Brits to win or lose that war, and I I I think that's the right model for. Uh, for America's allies going forward. And I hope Israel can be a good ally to the United States that way. So the American domestic response to this war has had a lot of facets to it. But one of the most interesting things going on is the response by some of the wealthiest people in America to uh, what's going on in our universities. Now, look, I, I, I can get just as frustrated as anyone that there's a lot of Johnny come lately here. And, and the substantive... Um, critiques that, that these people have of these universities are are worth examining and perhaps critiquing as well on certain angles. Um, but tell me what you've made of, of this response where, you know, major donors to American colleges are looking and seeing that they, they, they are utterly infected with, uh, you know, this anti-Israel worldview um, that borders on genocidal. Uh, what do you make of all of it? I, I think the first the first important thing to see is that the that the the current wave of um, uh, of uh, woke neo Marxist plus you know uh, radical Islamic uh, revolutionary fervor uh, on the campuses and in the streets of many American and European cities. Um, first thing to do to to notice is that this is a repeat of the George Floyd riots from 2020. We remember that the, 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 you know, George Floyd was an, an excuse that was used to, uh, to conduct six months of uh, uh, ur urban rioting, semi-warfare in some cases, uh, where the goal was to get, uh, the goal of, of, of the revolutionary left was to, to put systemic racism on the agenda as something that no one in the United States could ignore, right? That, that was their goal. Their goal was to say, look, there's systemic racism. If you don't deal with it, you know, primarily by electing Biden instead of uh, Trump, but if you don't deal with systemic racism, we're going to make your life, lives complete hell. We're going to make this country completely dysfunctional, uh, which they, you know, they did a pretty, pretty good job of. And, you know, I, I had actually thought the whole time that was happening, I thought Americans want law and order. There's going to be a law and order backlash. They'll, they'll reelect Trump, but that's not what happened. What happened is that the American public caved. The American public said, we just want quiet. Um, Biden will, will get the riots to stop as soon as he's elected. So they voted for Biden, and that's exactly what happened. Now, so flash forward three years, we're now watching the same exact playbook being organized and funded by the same people. We're watching the same playbook, uh, except instead of um, uh, systemic racism, uh, it, it's uh, uh, the slogan is uh, genocide in Palestine. And it, it, I mean, it's exactly the same model uh, the the in 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 the first round in 2020 the the uh, the oppressor was uh, was whiteness you know uh, uh, white americans which christian americans conservative americans that was the oppressor who was being delegitimized and expelled from uh, from uh, civilized society in america as illegitimate now we're doing the same thing and it's interesting that that that, uh, that they've Taken the, uh, the 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 genocide genocide in Palestine genocide in Gaza slogan, and they are using it as an extension of the war in Israel to delegitimize and expel Jews from you know the, the, they call all Jews Zionists often, but they're talking they're talking about all the major Jewish organizations in uh, in America and Jewish communities, Jewish Jewish students and professors on the campuses. And um, it, so it, it's part of the same exact revolution uh, as what we've been seeing for years. Um, one of the things that makes it interesting is that, you know, as, as you know, the, the, the majority of Jews in the United States and in Europe are, are, are liberals. And um, I, I mean, I want to be clear. I myself have never been a liberal for, <laughs> for not not for five minutes. Yeah. I, I I grew up in a 
in in a home where where liberalism was uh, not considered a, a reasonable reasonable worldview for Jews or for anybody else. <laughs> so um, you know, so I'm I'm a uh, non-liberal from you know from birth. <laughs> Um, but most American Jews are are liberals. I understand that this isn't always easy for for everyone to understand, especially if they're not Jewish. That um, that for the most part, um, liberal Jews live with this kind of false consciousness where they think that liberalism is actually going to be good for Jews. And um, uh, for for many decades, you know you. It was possible to make that argument. I didn't believe it, but but people believed it. And now all of a sudden, um, it's turning out that uh, that the uh, the lefty allies that many of these liberal Jews have spent their 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 lives with, uh, m- many of them are are just Hamas supporters. They, you know, when they hear uh, genocide the Jews, or when they see actual um, a, uh, uh, acts of um, uh, of of murder, dismemberment, gang rape. I, I mean, torture of a kind a kind and a cruelty that has uh, been surpassed nowhere. Uh, when they see these things, they look around. You know, as Jews, they 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 feel pain, and they look around and they see that many of their friends are Hamas supporters, and uh, they thought that that. You know that their liberal friends, their progressive friends, um, were moral, decent people, and that they were all, you know, we liberal Jews are working with the 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 the, the liberal Christians and the the other liberals, and 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 we're bringing, you know, peace peace to, peace to the world and justice to the world with our liberalism. Now suddenly they've discovered that what they're bringing with their liberalism is uh, is an openness. To, to having the Hamas and the Muslim Brotherhood at the table, and when when you have uh, terrorists who aspire to mass murder uh, at the table, um, you have to accommodate them, and that's what's happening at at these universities. It, is that is that the 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 woke neo Marxist alliance, which includes radical Islam, is an integral, crucial part of that alliance. Um, that's taken over the universities, and uh, you know, after after twenty twenty, you know, we after the cultural revolution of twenty twenty, the, the the universities are under the thumb of the woke neo Marxists and their radical Islamic allies, and we just saw it on television this week. Three three uh, university professors, uh, presidents of universities from Harvard and Penn and MIT, um, unable. Unable to accept the idea that uh, having a you know having thousands of students marching through your campus um, calling for uh, for genocide of Jews, uh, they're unable to see that as being you know harassment <laughs> of, of of the the, the Jewish and uh, and or Israeli students on the campus. Um, I think that should. Tell Americans everything that they need to know. I mean, I don't expect Americans necessarily to um, to uh, uh, always be looking out for the interests of uh, of Jews as Jews, but I do think that um, that America is facing something that we haven't seen in our lifetimes, which is an organized an an organized pro genocide. Organization, which at the moment is uh, is um, um, uh, fanning the flames of Jew, Jew, Jew hatred all across the United States and in Britain and in Europe, but you know, don't let's not be stupid about this. It's not going to stop with with the Jews. I mean, before before they took on the Jews, they took on as, as, uh, the the uh, you know straight white males, and uh, and they're not not going to stop until they delegitimize and expel all of us. So that's actually a, a useful segue because, um, you know, th- there's a bunch of sort of adjacent critiques to 
part of this response that have that have been percolating. One of which is that um, you know all of the anti woke pro free speech people were hypocrites. Um, you know that you know we've been talking for years about safe spaces on campus, and now um, you know the pro Israel right wants safe spaces, um, and it was it was never a principled stand. What do you make of that that criticism? Well, you know the the, the problem the, the problem as as almost always with the American right is people need to decide whether I'm talking about people on the right they need to decide whether they are liberals or whether they're conservatives, mm-hmm. and I mean there's there's plenty of people who call themselves the right and uh, and they're anti woke but but their worldview is liberal, and so they have this um, illusion that there's such a thing as absolute free speech. And uh, or or an a- absolute right to demonstrate, and if you're a conservative, like which is to say that you know, you're you're actually a, a, a realist about politics. Conserv- liberals are not realists about politics. They they li- liberalism is about designing a utopia in which you know everyone gets to say what they want, or you know everyone gets gets. It, uh, perfectly equal treatment. Everyone is perfectly free, no matter you know what they espouse. Conservatives are realists. Real conservatives are realists, and a realist says, "Well, you know, uh, it was all very nice and good to um, to be uh, defending um, and and." You know, an absolute right of freedom of speech. But by the way, I've I've never defended an absolute right of freedom of speech. But I understand people saying, um, "Look, let's let's just let everybody say whatever they want to say." Well, guess what? You know, um, that's not always realistic. It's realistic in a in a country in a society where everybody respects one another enough, even if they hate one another, they respect one another enough to um, to stay within the guidelines of uh, uh, democratic procedures, peaceful transitions of government. Um, you know, you have debates. One side says what they think. The other side says what they think. And then you vote, right? All of that is, that, all of that's beautiful when it works. But th- we are dealing now with an, uh, with an opponent. I mean, I, I, I would say an enemy because they, they declare themselves to be our enemies. We're dealing now with an enemy that uses a democracy and and uses the you know the 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 old liberal regime in order to build a power base for a for a violent fascist movement whose goal is the violent overthrow of the American Constitution and the American way of life. And you know I don't I don't know how much more evidence people need of that, but it is absolutely not the case i say as a conservative that america simply needs you know because it's it's been a liberal country simply needs to say every freedom that is you know guaranteed to uh, to to uh, um you know good liberals and good conservatives who pr- participate in in the democratic system every such freedom also needs to be given to terrorist organizations which uh, uh or organize uh, teach-ins and educational efforts uh, to advance the cause of genocide uh, against Jews, against whites, against whoever it is who's going to stand in their way. And and we need to treat them as though they are, um, you know, the normal participants in the democratic process. They are not normal participants. And if we treat them as normal participants, then we're going to lose America and we're going to lose Britain and we're, we're, we're going to lose every country that, that decides that, uh, that liberalism means that people who are trying to kill you, who are trying to destroy you and have proved it <laughs> amply are, you know, are just legitimate participants in 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 the dialogue so a, a second criticism that's been levied is that um you know a lot of let's just take for example you know these sort of center-left jewish billionaires that are getting up in arms about what's going on at college campuses they never had um a, a commensurate response when there was you know, systematic abuse and hatred towards whites on campus um, over the last 50 years, which which has been extremely prevalent um, as well. And that, you know, 
frankly, I, I also think that it would be accurate to say that the unique phenomenon of sort of American left-wing anti-Semitism is, is a correlated phenomenon to their anti-white hatred as well. It all stems from a very similar worldview that they have. Um, do you think that's a fair criticism? You know, what, 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 why are they caring now and they, they didn't care before? Well, I'm, I, I, I'm not exactly sure what the point of the criticism is. I mean, we know that there are people who disagree with us. You know, we know that there are people who, who, uh, you know, as natcons, uh, that there's um, that there's lots and lots of uh, parts of uh, American um, society that are not terribly interested in our friendship. We don't, you know, we don't get invited to their uh, their their get-togethers, and we don't get invited to, you know, to to uh, to their platforms. And, um, and we don't get to publish books with their publishers. I mean, you know, we, we, we know for sure that there are lots of people who don't like us. There's lots of people who disagree with us. Okay. So here we have a moment in which all sorts of, I'm, I'm focusing about liberal Jews. It's just, you know, I, I, I know that community very well. Uh, I, I think the same is going to be true for other liberals, for liberal Catholics and liberal Protestants, but let's stay focused on liberal Jews. We have a moment here where um, a, a lot of very wealthy, very powerful people um, are suddenly waking up to something. And there's a, a minute where they, they seem to be open to our to parts of our worldview, maybe to all of our worldview, we don't know where this is going to go, and uh, yeah, I'm, 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 so I'm, I'm sort of confused about people who want to sit around and 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 talk about, oh, you, you didn't help us before. Well, we know they didn't help us before. We know they were liberals. I mean, like, what's the surprise there? The surprise is that is that you get a a a liberal Jewish billionaire like 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 Ackman. The surprise is that when that. That he's tweeting, that he regrets that he didn't speak up when uh, when uh, straight white males were being persecuted. Now, that's a surprise. But so <laughs> so, so when when you when, when you meet with Mr. Ackman, uh, are you going to say, "Listen, you know, I, I I'm just so amazed that you know you weren't as smart as I was all of those years." <laughs> like, is is that what you have to say, or are you going to like be serious politically and 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 say we're not in the mm -hmm. greatest shape here? Anybody who wants to uh, to join our side, in you know, in part or in whole, we should be encouraging them, right? I mean, like. What is politics is about? It's not about saying "I told you so." It's it's about <laughs> building an alliance that's strong enough to be able to defeat our enemies. Come on, that seems obvious to me. Um, speaking of being serious politically, uh, it seems that across the world, um, whether it's in Europe, uh, in the United States, even in parts of Asia, uh, national conservatism is more popular than ever. Give us your. 10,000 foot survey of, of the landscape and uh, what the future of, you know, that movement with a registered trademark, so to speak, uh, might be looking like. Well, look, as, as you know, national conservatism has, um, you know, uh, there's a lot of different issues that are important to us. Uh, at the very center of national conservatism is uh, re reviving uh, and 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 building up the idea of, of the independent nation, uh, which is you know something that over you know th the the last thirty years of globalism has uh, a lot of people have forgotten the importance of the nation, um, the idea of the nation uh, as a as an independent political um, uh, a political uh, entity, a sovereign entity, um, is is one in which different nations have different, you know, they have different characters, they have different historical traditions, different constitutional traditions and legal systems, different religions, um, and of course different languages, and the the idea that these nations need uh, they they need to be able to um, to pass their own laws. They need to, according to their interests, um, they need to be able to protect their borders according to their interests. And um, 
I, I think that that issue of the border, more than anything else, um, I mean, there's many, many things wrong with liberalism. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I've written a couple of books about what's wrong with liberalism. There's many things wrong with it. But I think that the part that um, most immediately convinces people um, is the fact that uh, liberalism does not have uh, as a political theory, doesn't have the resources to be able to explain why why we have borders. Uh, it it does not have the resources. You know, one, once once you say all human beings are perfectly free and perfectly equal, which is what Locke says. Once you say that, um, then how can you justify uh, closing your border to you know to foreigners? Like you know, if they're perfectly free, then they're perfectly free to cross your border. If they're perfectly equal, then they're just they're they're perfectly equal to be citizens in the United States, just like you are. And uh, you know, th this is a it's a utopian worldview, um, and people are becoming more realistic. At, you know, as they see that their country is being inundated with uh, uh, with foreigners, and in particular now the you know the um, the the uh, immigration from from Muslim countries. You know, people were so angry at Trump for you know for for uh, wanting to. Uh, Put a temporary moratorium on immigration from from countries from which uh, there's a, a a terrorist threat, and uh, so now the West has you know many many millions of Muslims, and you know of course some of these Muslims are uh, are, are perfectly de decent people and they're excellent citizens and they're they're good friends, but the the uh, the reality of an immigrant Muslim population uh, of millions. In which, as I understand it from from the polling data, that there's something like 50 percent support for the massacres on October seventh and October eighth, and that the the um, uh, conditions in which a substantial part of an immigrant community uh, is uh, siding with the enemies of our civilization and 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 supporting uh murder and and genocide those conditions are conditions that are pushing lots of people towards nationalism they are pu pu pushing them towards national conservatism and uh you know that that that's obviously what we saw in in uh, uh in the Netherlands with uh, uh Gert Wilders um uh, stunning uh, political breakthrough, uh, and we're seeing it in other countries. Um, it 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 makes sense. I hope people go deeper into um, national conservatism than you know simply to become opponents of uh, uh, of uh, unlimited immigration or immigration from particular countries. That there's so much more to talk about, but um, that has created a, a a political moment in 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 which we're, we're going to be. Uh, picking up a great deal, uh, many many uh, new natcons from the uh, from the shock of um, uh, the 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 shock of Muslim immigration and the role that it is playing in energizing the uh, the woke neo Marxist left. And uh, as part of helping implement that, uh, we're going to be working a lot more together. Um, why don't you tell our audience a little bit about uh, our new partnership and uh, what the future of the national conservatism movement might look like? <laughs> well, uh, the, the national conservatism conferences, which are you know, the, the most, um, I think, the most visible expression of, uh, of this burgeoning um, uh, New political, philosophical constellation on on the right. Um, these conferences have been you know, we've been running them for five years at this point, and there there have been uh, four in the United States and 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 four in Europe. And um, uh, it, it it it's um, it's been highly visible, uh, and and uh, I, I think that's a major contribution. I think. Um, you and American Moment have also been making a major contribution. Your your role until now has been mostly focused on uh, identifying um, young people who are uh, capable of 
uh, staffing um, everything in Washington, pretty much, right? From from yeah. you know from the Congress to the White House to uh, to media and think tanks and 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 uh, uh, other nonprofits, and um, that that that's a a crucial piece of what needs to be done. Uh, but I think I think both of our organizations have reached a stage of uh, maturity. Uh, you've reached a stage of maturity. We've reached a stage of old age. <laughs> and uh, and uh, cons- conservatism is about an intergen- intergenerational uh, project. And uh, I'm absolutely thrilled to uh, about uh, your, your joining Edmund Burke Foundation as uh, executive director on top of your other uh, responsibilities. And um, I'm I'm hoping to see what do they say in Europe an ever closer union yeah. <laughs> between uh, between uh, uh, the Edmund Burke Foundation and the the National Conservatism Conferences and uh, uh, American Moment. Um, I, I I think it's uh, uh, the the right move at the right time. I couldn't agree more. It's already been a lot of fun. Um, I'm sure. One day there'll be a great sketch comedy show about our road trips. Of <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, the terrorist grocery store will be the first episode. I think that'll make a great pilot. Um, anyone wants to hear that story, you can ask me over drinks at some point in the next few months. Um, Dr. Ozoni, where can people keep up with uh, all of your public commentary and everything that you're working on? Uh, e- easiest just to find me on on Twitter. Why Hazoni? Why H? I feel like you've been tweeting a lot more lately. Is that true? Um, I, you know, uh, what, what's what's happening is that uh, I spent since 2016. So I mean, it, it's it's basically eight years working on uh, on national conservatism. We're working on uh, helping build up nationalist uh, movements in the United States and in Britain and in Europe, and. Uh, f- you know the the nature of my responsibilities as you know like a, a political theorist and a movement movement organizer was that I I I did not um, I I just didn't talk or write or think very much about uh, about Israel which is my country where I live I'm I'm a, I'm a U.S. citizen but you know I I live in Israel I served in the Israeli military my kids serve in the military um, and I, I've felt like. Um, Israel was in pretty good shape, and uh, and my responsibility and my my loyalty was to America and Europe and uh, and to my friends in in these other countries who really needed um, m- more nationalism and more conservatism. Mm-hmm. Since October seven, things have uh, have changed for me. I mean, I uh, I, I I don't. I don't feel like I can um, uh, stand by and you know pretend. Oh, you know, like I'm an I'm an international figure, and so uh, I, I, you know, I don't owe my country anything. Nationalists aren't like that, and um, now, 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 my country, Israel, is in serious serious danger, and um, uh, everybody needs to know. To, you know, every Israeli, every Jew needs to do what they can, what they can. So, so I'm I'm tweeting more because, <laughs> uh, because I I for the moment I I, I have to focus uh, a, a good piece of my attention to uh, explaining uh, Israel and Jews and Judaism and 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 the war uh, to a world that. Um, that really wants the answers. They 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 they're asking the questions. I I I, I need to answer them, um, but I I hope that uh, you know we'll, the war won't go on forever, and uh, we'll uh, we'll be able to do more productive things than tweeting. <laughs> well, and in addition to all the very serious. Um, patriotic uh, and and intelligent things um, that appear on your Twitter feed. There was also um, an exchange with John Podhoritz that's very funny. <laughs> I highly recommend if anyone's looking for for something to amuse them uh, late into the evening. They you know, could. <laughs> but I, I, I I didn't name John Podhoritz. I, I know John you know, Podhoritz, Kool Aid Man, burst through the brick wall. And he's said, like <laughs> rips off his mask and, and says, 
oh, you know that schmuck that Yoram was writing about? That was me. Let me let me elaborate. Sorry, I just I can't help it. I have so many bets with friends of mine every time he says that he's going to stop tweeting and he just never does. It's so funny. <laughs> um, Dr. Zoni, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you. My pleasure. Hopefully you enjoyed that. Be sure to go to nationalconservatism.org to see everything that we have cooking on on that side of the house and then americanmoment.org for everything on on this side of the house. Um, thank you guys as always for listening. We're always extraordinarily grateful. It's funny. Um, all of our guests that come on this show, you know, they can look at the numbers that these episodes get on on our various platforms. It's not exactly the millions of people, um, but they're always very surprised by the sheer quantity of people around Washington that come up and say, I just saw you on Moment of Truth. It sort of scares and baffles them. So keep doing that. That's very funny to me in particular. Um, uh, be sure to check out all of our, our, our programming on our website at AmericanMoments.org. Be sure to rate and review this podcast. Subscribe on YouTube. Um, be sure to sign up on our website. We'll be doing more live podcast events next year if you want to join for any of those. Thank you guys as always for listening. We will see you next week. Moment of Truth is an American Moment Studios production filmed at the Conservative Partnership Center. Our podcast is produced and edited by Jake Mercier and Jared Cummings. Our intro music is A Minor Struggle by Ryan Serenich. Don't forget to like and subscribe on all platforms, and you can go to AmericanMoment.org to learn more.